Our economy is crashing. Inflation is out of control. Why are conservatives bad, Mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve. <laughs> They'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move. Russia has joined with China. Okay. <laughs> the USA is a mess. This is not real. It's just a dream. Please, please wake up. Welcome to Speaking Out America. I'm JR. A lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about, obviously, Trump's appearance on CNN, which was a heralding success, according to, I guess, according to who you ask. But uh, the uh, Republicans, at least in New Hampshire, seem to enjoy Trump's performance. Uh, but everybody on the left is having a heart attack. We've got a lot of good sound bites today. Also, talk about the continuation of the Biden crimely, uh, cr- crime family. Uh, which will, I predict, one day be turned into a movie. Uh, actually, they did. It's called My Son Hunter, and it was directed and written by Robert Dobby. And uh, I'm surprised that that hasn't come up, actually. But I, I do know that Robert has been making the circuit. So, you know, his his uh, Hollywood, you know, they panned the movie. Didn't do as, as good as it should have. And the mainstream media avoided it altogether. I think it was only available during a download. So they should put it on the big screen. Uh, But it would probably get a rated X rating. Uh, So also Dr. Mercari from Johns Hopkins gave a a tremendously impactful speech uh, in front of a, a COVID task force. And I want to play that a little bit later on. And then we have some sound bites about uh, Biden's influence, continuing influence. And it's amazing. I I saw this article about the, I think it was on American Thinker. Yeah, here it is. Propaganda media doing their best to stonewall Comer's evidence of massive Biden corruption in the pay of foreign countries. Uh, And it was posted today by Thomas Lifson. And he writes, as a friend emailed me yesterday, in a reasonable world, This would be the biggest story about the biggest corruption episode at the highest level of our history. End quote. According now, the former news media of this country has been repurposed as propaganda organs, suppressing the documentary evidence of Biden family corruption revealed Wednesday morning by the House Oversight Committee headed by James Comer. A major priority. If it had happened to Trump, you know that everybody would have been covering it, but not one single organization, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, none of them covered that press conference, even though they had a day in advance to plan it. No, what they covered was, of course, the Santos case that nobody cared about. It led the evening news on ABC, NBC, and I believe CBS. They talked about it all day. But they avoided this whole story. And it's amazing to me that we have a press that can can even... Uh, how are they not ashamed? Okay, so the New York Times comes out with an article that says that none of it is substantiated. But the people who saw, like me, who watched the conference, saw clearly that the evidence is clear. The Biden family has received over $10 million. Let me just give you a summary of what we all learned yesterday that is verified by bank statements. The Biden family received and tried to hide over $10 million in payments from foreign nationals. This was $10 million that Biden earned while he was a vice president, 
while he was collecting a check for his services to the United States. Uh, a previously undisclosed $1 million in Romanian leaked payments, which nobody knew about, ties to Romanians' influence peddling, 20 LLCs created while Joe Biden was vice president, uh, a complicated corporate structure was described by Comer and others. At least 15 of the LLCs were formed after Biden became vice president in 2009, several of which were owned or co-owned by Hunter, and these LLCs accepted payments ranging from 5000 to $3 million. Even their grandchildren had bank accounts with wired money. And nobody wants to know what he did for that money. Nobody's asking that question. But yet they'll focus all of their energies on George Santos, a one-term congressman who means nothing to most of the world. We all know that he lies. He's a pathological liar. It's a joke. But this is the kind of atmosphere we have in Congress. Now, there are a lot of well-respected congresspersons who go to Washington to do the bidding of their constituents. George Santos is clearly not one of them. But how is that more important than the president of the United States and former president at one time was out doing a side hustle while he was supposedly serving the American people? And I still think one of the biggest questions uh, is, what did Obama know? Did Obama know that he was making his vice president was making a few extra bucks on the side. Now, clearly, most people who observe this say that it's clear that the Biden family was making money, peddling influence, and they were trying to hide it from their taxes. And I wrote on my blog, which you can read at speakingoutamerica.com, that he should be impeached. Under any other normal circumstances, this president, if not impeached, at least hauled before a committee and made to, well, I don't know if that's constitutional. But there needs to be an investigation. Now the FBI is stonewalling a letter that was allegedly written by an informant confirming a lot of these actions. But the FBI won't release it because they say it's something to do with national security and not revealing the identity of the source, which could pose a real threat. But we don't need that letter now. We have all the bank statements. We can see that the money was flowing to and from. We could find out where it was going. That's the amazing thing about all this technology. You know who said it really best, which I admire, is Jean Pirro from The Five on Fox. Listen, she's a judge, so she has seen all of this before in the state of New York. She's seen the scams. She understands when people are trying to conduct shady business. Listen to her comments on the Biden crime family. Let me simplify this for you. This is an organized criminal enterprise. I've done this for 30 years, okay? This is how they do it. What you've got is the hallmarks of corruption, the accounts, the LLCs, the evasion, and the money laundering. The partners come in, collect the foreign money, and then distribute it to an LLC, to an LLC in incremental amounts. Joe Biden is the front man. Hunter Biden is the bag man. 
okay? Joe Biden goes into foreign countries lecturing them about anti-corruption, and he is representing the freest, greatest nation on earth and is wrapping himself in the flag of the United States while his son is collecting the money at the back door. This happened in Romania, and this happened in the Ukraine. Joe Biden uses his position as the vice president of the United States to tell the Ukraine to get the prosecutor off the company where Hunter is a member and making $80,000 a month, or he's going to withhold our taxpayer money a million dollars, all right? This is an point man in energy, an appoint man on anti-corruption, and his son is right behind him with the bags. Now, let's talk about why so many people are involved in receiving the money. So many people are involved because you can't put that money in one account. Right. So we got the wife, the daughter, the husband, the sister-in-law. That's why it's worked ah. out that way. And why, why did Paul Manafort spend years in solitary confinement for being a... Uh, a lobbyist in a foreign country when this guy's been a lobbyist in Ukraine, in Romania, in China. Now, Comer, who was on uh, Hannity a little bit later, had this to say in terms of the the strangeness of the way they conducted business. Now, don't forget, we're talking about the former vice president and sitting president who was out peddling influence around the world. He says, why did they have to funnel it through an associate's LLC and then two or three Biden LLCs, and then send the payments sporadically down to Biden family members. Like you mentioned, the grandchildren. I hated to bring up the fact that three grandchildren received wires, because I don't believe those grandchildren did anything wrong. They just had the misfortune of having family members who were willing to use them in their scheme to launder money to try to deceive the IRS in order not to pay taxes and to disguise who the sender was to avoid getting in trouble for dealing with foreign nationals. And he says that's really bad. And no kidding. I mean, this is high crimes and misdemeanors of the worst. I can't think of a more egregious misuse of power in any, in any situation of any president. I mean, this is nothing. Uh, what Nixon did was nothing. And especially with Trump getting impeached once for having some conversation with Zelensky, who, by the way, has been in, enriched in cash since Biden has stepped into office and uh, Trump got some impeached for that. And then some, you know, sham uh, hearing where they determined that Trump's to blame for people being upset about the 2020 elections. And that was a sham from the very beginning because none of the uh, committee members were objective. They were all sitting on one side of the fence against Trump. And of course we know that Tucker Carlson brought the tapes to the American people, and we saw the real story of what happened on that day, January 6th. So, again, you know, we're dealing with an administration that has all the appearances of being uh, extremely corrupt. Because if you've got this kind of activity going on behind the scenes, what do we not know about? What, what other transactions might there be that were not on Hunter Biden's laptop? And we also have to remember that Joe Biden has been in office and been in government for over 40 years. Uh, and what other favors has he done? Why does he have so many boxes of government documents at his home? These are important questions that we need to be asking. The question is, nobody's asking them. We'll be right back.
Boy, I tell you what, we have a lack of leadership. We have a real leadership deficit in this country. And, uh, and it doesn't surprise me. They don't, I don't know if they teach leadership skills in school as much as they probably teach, you know, how to be an activist. Uh, but one person who can tell me is Gareth Gwynn. She is the author and Let's See Labs founder. And she looks at strengths and weaknesses from different types of leaders. And if there's one thing we've learned in today's business world, it's that leaders can help guide the way for employees. And if you've been fortunate enough to have a great leader at the helm of a company that you work for, consider yourself lucky. So let's bring her in. Hi, Gareth. How are you? Doing great. So good to be here today. Yeah, you know, I look around. I see people a lot when you watch the news. People that are in leadership positions sometimes don't seem to have very much leadership qualities. And what do you look for when you're thinking, let's talk in contemporary terms, how is Mm -hmm. Elon Musk as a leader to you? Yeah, well, Elon Musk, I think, does have a lot of adaptability and flexibility, and he's trying new things and iterating. And so he has, you know, the capacity to change his mind, I think, um, which is a powerful thing. I think also being involved in so many different places can be, you know, has its own limitations where you're not just focused on doing one thing and doing one thing well, but you're, you're kind of all over the place in a sense. Um, but I do think that in his case, um, he's able to look for the aspects of what he's learned in different contexts and then transfer and apply them into other contexts. Um, but I do think that he is more flexible and adaptive as a leadership style. Now, who would you, on the other end of the spectrum, Gareth, who would you say is in a leadership position but not a very effective leader based on what you think? Yeah, well, I would say that, um, you know, I I think everybody has strengths and weaknesses, everybody. But I would say that one attribute I would say is a weakness would be a lack of self-awareness and a lack of a capacity to see when our own belief systems, whether they're very absolutist and we think we're right about something, inhibit us from being able to intake new information, that inhibit us from being able to think critically and understand, you know, all these other different perspectives that are happening in the world. And so when when our own um, ideas limit us from intaking information, I think that becomes a weakness in leadership. Yeah, I've seen that trait in people that, that come off. There's an old saying that I picked up there's a fine line between competence and arrogance, you know, like mm-hmm. it's all about yes. character and, and that intrinsic you that comes out when you're dealing with people. If you look them in the eye, or if you shake them hand, you give them time to talk. You wrote a book called You Are Us, How to Build Bridges in a mm-hmm. Polarized World, and you can get that on Amazon as well. But uh, look, give me a, an assessment of Trump, because we all watched him. If you saw the recent town hall, it, is, is he a complicated leader, a bad leader? Uh, how would you describe him? Yeah, I think in, in many cases, Trump is largely misunderstood. And I do think that he has responsibility in that as well. Um, I think that the way he delivers messages sometimes um, is hard for certain people to actually hear and see him without getting caught up in their interpretations of him. So I think in a lot of ways, most of the world isn't seeing him as a human. A lot of people see him um, with their own judgments and their own perceptions before they're able to actually hear what he's saying. Um, and I think he has responsibility for that. I think that he could refine the way he's delivering in order to connect and resonate with people and have himself be heard in the things he wants to be heard for, for the people who can't seem to hear that. 
And I also think that the people who can't hear things, they also have responsibility. And I think what's really interesting is if we find ourselves feeling judgment, if we find ourselves demonizing another human, whether it's Trump or someone else, we're saying that person, you know, is is wrong and that they uh, are we're dehumanizing them in a way and we're, we're making them the villain in our own inner narrative. I think that's where we can sort of stop and pause and say, we don't have to agree with what someone's saying. In fact, we can suspend and before we make a, a conclusion and just say, hey, wait a minute, let me first give them the dignity that they are another human on this earth. And then from there, we can begin to talk about different ideas and ways that we think that it would be great for our country or for our communities to move forward and work together. But if we're first coming off and we can't see the dignity of another human being, I think that's where we as individuals have the responsibility to understand why we can't see someone clearly. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, those are good key points. And I, and I would add to that, that, you know, a lot of it is, is how you deal with your own self-confidence. If you are overbearing Mm -hmm. that, that to me is is another leadership quality. And I know a a lot of young people, I have two young boys that are in their twenties and they're just getting started in their lives. And, and I know that there, there must be a deficit because they tell me, you know, what's, what's a good book to read about leadership? Where can we where can we soak up? And, and there's all kinds of stuff on the Internet on how to be confident and how to. But what are some of the simple things? Uh, because I think confidence has a lot to do with being an effective leader. Yeah. And I appreciate um, what you said a little bit ago, too, about the fine line between confidence and arrogance. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that's important. And it's our own self-awareness that we need to be able to discern that boundary. And I think that, you know, in my work and and what we do with our workshops around leadership is really helping people kind of at that intersection where we're saying, hey, you can't see yourself. A lot of times we we can see other people, but it's really hard to see our own self, to, to see, wait, when am I becoming arrogant and when am I actually standing in my confidence and I need to take a stand for something? And really having that inner intuition be active inside of us. And so we help people find that inner knowing and that inner place, you know, that sort of transcendent place where, you know, we feel in our own centered and our own worth and and peel away the barriers of what might be keeping us from really feeling that. So then when we engage in adversity, we find that healthy confidence that unwavering sense where I know I'm worthy, I know I'm here, and I know that I have something to contribute, but I'm also receptive. I'm also able to hear people and relate with people in a way that creates generativeness versus, you know, creates division. And so that's what we really help people do is to understand their own individual vulnerabilities to when they might collapse into some sort of defensiveness or threat or absolutist mindset that that teeters on that arrogant side. And then to really be able to own that and to understand it and then shift back into that healthy confidence. I'll tell you what, I am I'm very encouraged by some of the young leadership that I see coming up from the ranks today. Uh, And so uh, apparently uh, you guys are uh, all figuring it out pretty well. Um, and I say that from a perspective of an elder man. Uh, she is the author of <laughs> You Are Us, How to Build Bridges in a Polarized World. You can find out more about Kareth Gwynn at buildbridges.us. She also has a book, uh, which is available to you on amazon.com, You Are Us, uh, all kinds of things that she's teaching uh, people today, uh, just how to, how to be more effective in their life. Uh, and if that involves improving your leadership qualities, she can help you. Uh, Gareth, again, thank you for stopping by Speaking Out America. 
Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate being to explore these ideas with you, and it's really wonderful to be here. Once again, Gareth Gwynn on Speaking Out America. Stay tuned. We're going to unravel some of this mess with Donald Trump, and Nicole Wallace has a few things to say about it. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's check out a little bit before we go with uh, the CNN town hall with Donald Trump last night. And how would you deal with the increasing threat posed by Vladimir Putin? And it's an important question, so important, because we're giving away so much equipment. I have to say it to start off. If I were president, this would have never happened. And even the Democrats admit that. Putin knew it would have never happened. And his pipeline would have never happened. A lot of things would have never happened. But this Which would Democrats never have happened. And Mr. all those president? dead people, both Russian and Ukrainian, it w- they wouldn't be dead today. And all those cities that are blown up and disintegrated right to the ground, that wouldn't have happened. Okay. Welcome back to Speaking Out America. JR here. Our website is speakingoutamerica.com. You'll find articles and our archive podcast as well. Yes, we do a podcast. Look for us on your favorite podcast platform. So I was watching uh, TV this morning and all the fallout from Trump's town hall in New Hampshire, which uh, was an overwhelming success, according to the, those who uh, are people that I read. Uh, I don't know about you, but I didn't see it. I didn't want to watch the setup. I, I Now I regret it because, well, of course I recorded it, so I'll watch it later. But from what I heard, I always like to hear what other people have to say and what their reaction is. And I have no, uh, I always, like, like a juror, I just go in blind and I don't have an opinion. I just want to hear what other people's opinions are. But one that caught me was Nicole Wallace, who I understand is the former speechwriter for Bush. So at one point, I don't know her story. She's popular over at, at MSNBC. She, I don't know. She, I, I watch in the, what comes out of their mouths. I just, it's hard for me to, they, that they drink that much Kool-Aid over there. I mean, I don't think this woman has ever had a criticism of, of Biden or Obama, period. Everything that comes out of her mouth is how much she hates Donald Trump. There is no way for this woman to have any objective viewpoint other than the viewpoint which she has adopted from being a progressive left-wing nut. But she uh, apparently didn't like the fact that Trump was given all this free time to spread misinformation. But listen to the way that she characterizes it, and I'll throw some commentary in along the way. Cause and effect. Trump speaks, there are consequences. And this will be our third straight go-around, folks. Uh, really? That's, so, in other words, he is not allowed to speak. Trump is not allowed to have a voice. If it was up to her and the people that she hangs with, Trump would be excommunicated from the country. He would not allow to have a tweet account. He would not allow to have any involvement. Uh, And that's just so un-American. So un-American. Because she decides that what Trump has to say is not worth listening to. That's putting yourself up on a very high pedestal. And very condescending to look down upon the people and determine who among them has the right to speak. Straight presidential election or twice impeached, once indicted, liable for sexual abuse and defamation. Donald Trump is a candidate. Everyone knows you, me, 
keep on the left, keep kind on the right. Scared. You hear that? The large, largely silent group in the middle. She's and- upset. She understands the stakes. Now we already went over the the sham impeachments and the sham indictment in this this case from 1996 involving a woman who, in my opinion, had a tryst. You see, I take a different point of view on that case, the E. Jean Carroll case. I think what E. Jean Carroll uh, has done has, has basically insulted every woman who has had a real sexual assault, and there are plenty of them. What she had was, I think, a flirty affair that ended up maybe maybe even with another man. Who knows? But I know that she was surrounded by a lot of people for many years who pushed her into this position. Was she vindicated? She's going to come out with a book. She's going to come. She's going to figure out how to way to turn the spigot on this much. She'll be, she'll probably have $20 million in the bank by the time it's all over. And the liberal media will just suck it up because it's a Trump story and Trump equals rating. So they'll be using her as fodder. No question. Uh, but she, Nicole, Nicole Wallace, understands that Trump's got a force behind him. And she hates this man. She hates him with a seething anger. It goes beyond hate. I mean, she's one of these people that would probably be the front row if there was a lynching of Donald J. Trump. Here's more of what she had to say. That's exactly what's about to happen. So at this point... It's not projection, it's not frustration, it's not exasperation. It's just a fact that when Donald Trump has a platform to talk, the worst elements of our society aren't just watching. They're pumping it into their disinformation. The worst elements of society? So basically anybody who doesn't agree with her are the worst elements. You hear that? The condensation, the condescension of Nicole Wallace. Anybody who listens to this man is a deplorable and they should not even be engaged. I mean, talk about vitriol. Where's, where's the inclusiveness in the nature of what Nicole Wallace speaks? Putting it into their disinformation and misinformation system, putting that information on steroids and pushing it out Oof. to the people that the agencies that protect us warn are primed and pumped. Okay, so let's let's tackle that. The the institutions that protect us. She's referring specifically to those 51 signees on that letter that said the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. And who was pushing that misinformation, Nicole? Why, of course, it was MSNBC. They were pushing it. They were the ones that had Clapper on television night after night in Brennan talking about how all of this was trumped up by the Republicans to try to steal the election from Biden. Isn't isn't there a sense of irony? Because you've got a situation here where what she's saying about Trump is actually more accurate about her own party. Daryl Issa, Republican from California, he commented earlier on the very fact that the 2020 elections, the Hunter Biden laptop story, was buried with the help of 51 former intelligence agents who all willingly signed a document saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was not true. And that's why the press is not giving this story much credence either with Comer coming forward. They don't want to admit that Comer got it right. They've now gone off to the the bank records. They can prove that the Biden family has been wired money from foreign agents. In fact, this is 
what ICE really said about the whole situation. We learned that, in fact, they did it because they wanted the president to win. And in many cases, they used the power of the government itself. Well, they were supposed to be working for the president. They were actually working to replace the president. That's closer to a coup than it is to a letter. A coup. A coup, ladies and gentlemen, perpetrated by 51 former United States national intelligence officers, all of whom received a paycheck thanks to you and I. They tried to conduct a coup. These are the same institutions that Nicole Wallace over at MSNBC says are trying to protect us. To the people that the agencies that protect us warn are primed and pumped to carry out acts of domestic violent extremism. And where is that coming from? Most of the shootings I see are coming from people with mental illness, and they're from the left. Have you noticed? The shooting in Colorado, the shooting in Texas, the shootings in, I mean, everywhere. Uh, Tennessee. They're all people who are radicalized by the left. And here's another revelation. And I mentioned this. Remember that shooting of the teacher a few months ago by the little boy, six-year-old boy? Well, it's finally come out, and I had suggested this early on, that the reason they weren't revealing the identity of the boy or the parents was because they were African-American. They wanted to highlight the shooting, but they didn't want to connect you with the person who did it. And And I attest now, as I attested then, that if this boy is getting filled with in his head all of this anti-white rhetoric and he goes to school one day with a gun, you think he's going to think twice? This kid was weaponized. This kid had the potentiality of being weaponized by who knows what, what influences are in his life. If you're a six-year-old young African-American boy growing up in today's society, you know what the message is you're being told? You've been oppressed. They oppress you. They are, they are to be feared. If you watch Joy Reid, she will tell you they are right-wing extremists. They're lurking in the shadows. They're trying to get a hold of you. So, And I had suggested that even back then, they just didn't want you to know that the boy was African-American because it didn't fit into their narrative. They wanted it to be about the guns. Just like in Nashville, they wanted it to be about the guns. Not the person pulling the trigger, but the gun itself. This is the narrative from the people that Nicole Wallace says we're supposed to trust. When politicians can be bought, when courts can be manipulated, when the media becomes a tool of propaganda, there you will find a society that is susceptible to manipulation from the outside. Welcome back to Speaking Out, America. We want to discuss information the committee has learned since our last press conference in November. New information investigators have uncovered regarding the transfer of money from foreign entities to the Biden family. Many of the wire payments occurred while Joe Biden was vice president and leading the United States efforts in these countries. This is the beautiful friend. First instance, while Vice President Biden was lecturing Romania on anti-corruption policies, in reality he was a walking billboard for his son and family to collect money. Hunter Biden and his associates capitalized on a lucrative financial relationship with a Romanian national 
who was under investigation for and later convicted of corruption in Romania. The Bidens received over $1 million. This is the end. <laughs> Let me simplify this for you. This is an organized criminal enterprise. I've done this for 30 years, okay? This is how they do it. What you've got is the hallmarks of corruption, the accounts, the LLCs, the evasion, and the money laundering. The partners come in, collect the foreign money, and then distribute it to an LLC, to an LLC in incremental amounts. Joe Biden is the front man. Hunter Biden is the bag man. Okay? Oh, yeah. And the story will continue. No question about that. Wear your mask. Take your pills. Now a whole generation's mentally ill. Oh, yeah. You know, yesterday, the United States finally declared an end to the pandemic. And don't worry, you'll still be able to go get your vaccinations. You'll still be able to go get everything you want, uh, courtesy of the U.S. government, particularly the vaccinations. Just don't comment on any side effects that you're having, because that might just, you know, give them grounds to refuse service. I heard this story about a woman who was getting a transplant, I think a kidney transplant, and they wouldn't do it because... She didn't have her vaccination. It's just, I'm sure that was probably in California. So speaking of COVID, it's always good. And I followed it. In fact, if you want to check out my coronavirus podcast, I've had it up and it updates on breaking news and things that happen that are significant to the mitigation and treatment of the, the pandemic and its effect on society. And it's well over a million downloads. And I'm going to put this up because it sort of puts a period at the end of a very long paragraph, which is the pandemic and the effect that it has continued to have. I believe that the current economic problem that we are having today with all the homeless that you see on the streets, the increase in violence, the increase in depression and anxiety, it is not going to go away. It did not go away uh, yesterday, and it's not going to go away tomorrow. We we did what happened in the pandemic and the way that we handled the pandemic and the way the society reacted to the pandemic and the authorities and, and all of the policies that were input. To me, it was this, as if the United States suffered a massive stroke. It didn't kill the United States, but it may have wounded him to the point where the recovery is going to just take a long time. And we are not going to recover completely. The heel will not completely wound, or the the wound will not completely heal until we come face to face with what we did wrong. And there were so many things that were done wrong. And sadly, many of us just followed directions. We just followed what the leaders told us what to do. As Matthew Desmond says, mass formation psychosis. To this day, the government still insists that the vaccines are necessary, that COVID is still a looming threat, and that we're expected to believe them even though they screwed up almost every step of the way. And I'll include in this conversation Trump. Trump knew that he was facing re-election. He initiated Operation Warp Speed, but we never should have approved those vaccines when we knew there was other treatment available. But Trump's not a doctor. 
So he had surrounded himself by the institution. And I remember seeing, you know, when Trump gave a press conference and you see Dr. Fauci on his right and Trump mentions the deep state and how he's overcoming the deep state. We're going to solve this thing. We're going to lick this thing. And there was Fauci. So there was no question early on that he had political misgivings about Trump. And so his, his perception was, was skewed. So everybody had a part to play in this horrible experience and we are still paying the consequences. But someone has, through it all, and I only maybe have a handful of people, Robert Malone, uh, Corey, uh, certainly Peter McCulloch, the Epic Times was, in my opinion, the only rag that I read that kept everybody up to date on COVID and they completely tried to leave politics out of it. And uh, uh, that gentleman who does the epic interviews, Jan Javilek, I think is his name, Johan or something. Anyway, they covered everything. They were not afraid to talk about the vaccine adverse effects, other forms of treatment that were being uh, used around the world. We did not have to shoot up the amount of people because of one thing, natural immunity. That's where we dropped the ball. Now, I want you to think about that as Dr. Mark McCary from Johns Hopkins, one of the few physicians that actually spoke out. He was the first one, for example, to say, don't look at the infections, look at the mortality rate. I'm surprised he wasn't canceled. I guess he's impressive enough with enough bona fides where they couldn't touch him. But he gives a, a very succinct summation of what we did wrong and who is to be held account. Listen to what he had to say today before an intelligence committee hearing. This is Dr. Mark Markery, or Makari from Johns Hopkins University. Thank you, uh, Chairman Winstrip and uh, Ranking Member Ruiz. You're both good doctors. I respect both of you, even if we have different opinions on some things. You've promoted a very civil discourse here. I believe in civility, so I want to thank both of you. I admire that. Nothing speaks more to the intellectual dishonesty of public health officials than their complete dismissal of the data on natural immunity, making the U.S. an international outlier in this academic dishonesty. Since the Athenian plague of 430 B.C., natural immunity has been described. It was protective against subsequent uh, disease during reinfection or prevented reinfection. Natural immunity works for every other virus, every other virus practically on, that we know of that causes infections in humans. There are two viruses that cause severe illness in humans that are coronaviruses besides COVID. COVID is one of three coronaviruses that causes severe illness in humans. The other two both have long-lasting natural immunity. So it's very bizarre that public health officials bet that this would break the rule. COVID would be different. Over the last three years, there have been 200 studies of natural immunity. The Lancet review of 65 studies from nine countries concluded that natural immunity is at least as effective. The data are clear. The evidence was there all along, but health officials never talked about it. Maybe because the real story is they were worried somebody might try to get natural immunity. So let's not be honest with the public. Was that, was that the idea? Public health officials and people at the government, CDC, NIH, privately told me that's what their concern was about acknowledging natural immunity. So they made ignoring natural immunity a political badge. They dismissed it, saying there was uncertainty. We don't know how long it's going to last, as if we knew how long vaccinated immunity would last. They had it backwards, actually. 
Our Johns Hopkins study published in JAMA was the third most discussed study in of all JAMA publications in 2022, according to the JAMA website. We found antibodies present up to two years later. We can have our opinions, but let's not ignore this mountain of evidence. Big Tech censored my study when I posted it, calling it vaccine-hesitant content. Government doctors were privately saying, we agree, but we don't talk about it. We had this sort of intense paternalism. We saw this when women wanted home pregnancy tests and doctors were pushing for it. And the medical elite said, no, women can't handle that information at home. We can't have home pregnancy tests. They fought it for years. Same with home HIV tests, medical paternalism. Universities, like my own, put their head in the sand, ignoring the data, forcing young, healthy male students to choose between the risk of myocarditis, one in 6,000 young males, or getting kicked out of school, even though they had natural immunity. That was common. The media parroted whatever Fauci and the CDC fed them, just like government officials when they fed the media, there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Whatever government leaders told them, they parroted without asking any questions. And is anyone surprised that Pfizer or Moderna, which controlled a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of the narrative, they never talked about natural immunity? Why would they? A reason not to get one of their products? Many practicing doctors knew about natural immunity, the power of it, European doctors, many tailored vaccine recommendations, factoring in natural immunity, just like you do with chickenpox. And they would tailor medications, and that's the, art of medic uh, that's the art of medicine. Now, natural immunity is not just an academic point. Lives were lost because they were ignored. Thousands of Americans died because public health officials ignored natural immunity. Thousands of Americans were dying, just as you said. We had people dying to get the vaccine. The vaccine was highly effective against the variant at that time. It saved lives and they couldn't get it because we were giving vaccines to those already immune with natural immunity. Why would you give two life preservers when some were drowning with none? And that's Mark Marcari of Johns Hopkins. He's uh, an infection specialist and uh, one of the leading department heads and he, throughout the entire pandemic, gave us the straight skinny on what was happening, even though sometimes, as he mentioned, he was being censored by big tech and even members of his own medical community. Many children today are suffering and will suffer in the years to come. Cities will be broken. Communities will be broken. Addiction will rise, all because, well, because nobody wanted to follow the science. Until next time, thanks for stopping by. JR, speaking out, America.